previously on the Social Proof Podcast. So you recorded Wu-Tang? Yeah, we did. We did Raycon. I know we worked on Raekwons and Mobilarity. Um, Word. We got a plaque for that. And then um, we didn't work on their first album, but we worked with different ones of them. What was it like the having them all? Was they all in that thing? Nah, because, well, my homeboy... Before their first album came out, my homeboy Jason Staten, he's from Lansing, he used to do national street promotions. Mm. And he brought them to Michigan State. And we, we, me and him was driving around the Midwest, and I remember everybody, who are these karate dudes and whatever. So we, and, and that was, uh, um, Raekwon tried to beat up one of the dudes because he, he, uh, he, he ordered his pizza wrong. I remember that. No way. What band. happened? Yeah, he was, he was like, you trying to play me, son? They ordered the wrong <laughs> pizza. They might have put pepperoni on it, and he was trying to whoop the dudes' butt. But, it, but by the time, you know, we came to the studio, it's like a mutual respect. Like mm-hmm. I tell people, when you walk into a place and you see cigarette ashes and stuff all over, then you, you act accordingly. Mm-hmm. When you walk into a place and it's nice and people are respectful, then you kind of give what you get. So we didn't have We ain't. We, you got to remember a lot of times it wasn't a lot of people, a lot of black people on the technical side that owned studios. Mm-hmm. So these people were going in rock studios and country studios and they weren't comfortable with all them people around. Right. They thought our kicks was too loud and the music was too loud and it was hitting too hard. But we like, come on in, man. We ain't tripping. Mm. Turn it up. Crank it up. Nigga, uh, y'all smoke. We got a smoking room. Go mm. ahead. Oh, y'all got 30 people? No problem. We got a lounge and whatever. So that's, that's why I keep saying it's weird that if you look at, if you ever had an opportunity to look at recording studios before we opened in 95, you couldn't do all the stuff. We was the first studio to do listening parties. Mm. We're the first studio to, we changed it to do birthday parties to turn into like an event facility, podcast. We was the first people to start paying engineers and put them on the payroll and they worked for the studio before they were independent clients. Yeah. You couldn't get into a commercial studio and commercial studios were stale. Mm. They were all, like the guy that designed ours, we, we, uh, we barely picked him. He saved, he got that job. Because when all his work, it looked like it was white and sterile. Mm-hmm. And it was squares, and they looked like a hospital. And I remember was, I called him to tell him that we ain't going with them. He was like, well, Curtis, you know, those are all the designs that our clients picked. We're really looking forward to working with you and Bob because we know you guys are going to allow us to do some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. We got all of this stuff planned out with curves and different angles, mm-hmm. and that's what sold them. And we nice. got them, and we we went crazy. We, wow. we, we freaked it. And then... Um, so all of this stuff that, that's going on, man, they, they weren't, you weren't able, you think you was able to get in Bobby Brown studio mm-hmm. and throw a listening party right, or do a right. podcast or have a, a list, you know, a meet and greet. You couldn't go into your mains. Not, we changed all of that stuff. Man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'll never really pound on our chest, but I just tell people is you go back and look at studios. Studios weren't open to the public. Yeah. You had to be in the music industry to get in them studios, yeah. man. And we changed mm-hmm. that. So now I look at all these, the whole model is the model that we put in place. Hiring the engineers, good staff, multiple rooms, uh, multi-purpose, being able to do video, audio, parties, listening parties. We, we did all, the first one, I'm telling you a lot of stuff, you cut this. The first thing, this is what, I'm gonna tell you this story, this almost broke me. Mm. We, one of my girls that worked at the front, her name was Frances, she came up with this concept, she called it the producer's ball. The producer's ball. Yep. And right. we like, we're going to have a bunch of different producers that's up and coming, come in and play some of their stuff. This is up and coming. So we had Polo to Don. Y'all didn't really, you know. Up we, coming. We had Justice League. We had Drummer Boy. 
Timberland came through, which was a problem. And um, why was it a problem? Because it was too big. So and then um, Jazzy Faye, a uh, bunch of people. Right. This was early when they career. And so prior to that, the week before we did our re-grand opening where we opened the big room in our 10 year anniversary. So I had like, you know, four police officers from Atlanta outside. I had valet and I had security in. We was prepared for it. I knew we was gonna have like three, 400 people. It wasn't right. no problem. This party, I just thought we just doing a producer's ball. It ain't gonna be no big deal. A few people gonna come. And I didn't have any police or security and I lost control of the room. It was probably about three, four hundred people in the studio, in the parking lot and everything. Mm. And I couldn't control it and they wouldn't listen to me. And I remember. And so we had these producers playing stuff. And then Timberland's, it was his assistant came in there and he was in New York. He was just rude. Man, let me play this Timbo on the phone. Let me play this track. I'm like, you ain't part of the program. And I couldn't control it. I literally couldn't get to the other side of the room to stop nobody from mm. doing nothing. And um, we it lost control. And, and, and so for a whole year. I wouldn't do another listening party. Mind you, we had did Jeezy's listening party, Ludacris, Akon, mm. Rick Ross, and I was so scarred off. And we we had, what the problem was, uh, they blocked the dumpster off and all that food from the grand opening. We didn't schedule nobody to pick it up and they mm. wouldn't come get it. So by the time they would come, we had trash bags everywhere. It was maggots all over the place. It was so bad, the homeless dude wouldn't take $100 to clean it up. And so when we did that, I, it scarred me up. And I was like, I ain't never doing that again. I'm just going, we can just collect our money with two or three people here. Mm. And then people kept calling me. And then I said, you know what? I need to put together a package that if I do it, then I won't be mad. Yeah. So that's why our listening parties cost about $5,500. I make people pay for valet. Mm. You don't have an option. Right. You're going to pay for four Atlanta police officers, three security. You're going to pay to get my carpet clean. Mm. You're going to pay the maid to come in and clean up that night. And you're going to pay me for an extra dumpster fee. And I'm going to make you rent speakers so you don't blow mine out to put it in mm. front of the room. So it's like, a, so everybody be when we do them. That's why we only do the big ones because it's like $5,500. And they come at me like, you know, Rick Ross would be like, well, we already got our security. I said, he your security. He ain't going to listen to me. <laughs> right, right, right. We hiring whatever. And, you know, and then I remember we did one of the ones I tried to be cool with rich homie Quan, and he was like, we're going to do one. And I promise it won't be no more than 10 people. And I'm like, I'm telling you, man, we ain't letting them people in, man. It got so bad that people was hopping the fence and uh, his parent, he came with five people. So his parents couldn't get in and it was a headache. Damn. And, uh, and I was like, I'll never bend again, you know, cause people want to, they want to tell you that they ain't going to do all this stuff, but Damn. they don't, they can't control it. And then, sure. I mean, you know, one of the cool ones, the biggest we did our Kelly's, but they were so professional because mm -hmm. he's like, they gave us a guest list and it was like, if they ain't on the guest list, we don't. So we got mm -hmm. the, we was like, you can't come in. And uh, we did that one or whatever. But you know, I learned a lesson that producer's ball. But again, nobody was in studios. You couldn't come in. You didn't, you didn't have events at studios, right, man. Right. You couldn't go tours. I'm a studio owner and they wouldn't even show me their studio and show me the rates back mm -hmm. when we started in 95. Right. So all of this stuff that you see now, this new model, is what we put in place. And like I said, a lot of people, everybody, Coach is Coach got Coach K got fifty thousand square feet right now. Mm. And he's trying to do a studio and he calls me about the architect and who designing it. And so I tell him some stuff. And then he brings his architect to the studio mm. to look around. I show him the stuff and all this stuff and I make 
All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. Myself available, Stone them, with Akon them, every different studio that you see, it's to the point now where like a lot of people when they see reality shows, They'll call me and be like, they in our studio. Yeah. And I would be like, nigga, every studio ain't ours. But it's even now when I look at stuff, I'd be like, is that our studio? Because they copied our diffuser. Right. They copied our panels. <clears throat> they copied our ceiling. So a lot of people come in and bring their architect and be like, I want you to build this room. I'm doing the B room. And so when uh, Jeff and them at DTP, last year around this time, I was going to their studio because Jeff wanted to build out their rooms. Mm -hmm. And then when Jason Jeter's doing his place, I go out to his place. We went to India's house, NDRE, Word. and helped design her stuff. Her dad built it. We helped design it. We went out to Montel Jordan's church. They didn't hire us, but they consulted, and then they went with somebody else. So we be out in all these different places. Wow. Uh, Jason just did a retreat at a cabin two weeks ago, and we sent two engineers out. We Luther built his rig, designed right. it. Shout out to Luther. Set the mics, and we guy. went out to the camp, staffed it, and, and did it for a week, and they never had no problems. So we be doing all this different stuff, and my, my philosophy is just different. I'd be like, if Atlanta has multiple great rooms, it makes Atlanta better. It doesn't make sense to have one good room and all of this BS. So I always try to reach out to people that's doing home studios and doing stuff that need help because if, if we can help, we, we want to help. Yeah, you know what I mean? Man. Kurt, I, what I appreciate you uh, coming through, man. This is like it was like a, a lesson in Atlanta history. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it, it is a staple in Atlanta. Like you guys are stamped in Atlanta history because, and I'm I'm realizing that it's a mix of one. You know what you're doing sonically. Like you just like who would think that you're going to treat the electricity or who would think like when we went to the studio. Um, you said you had like rubber on top of this the so, roof yeah, to kill the raindrop. To kill the raindrop, like you're thinking past, and then you know we're 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 going through. Um, all right, making sure there's no 
there's not it's not a square room right. it has to be all like you know everything everything yeah. but I, almost everything you know about what? sound I, I, you know what i do want to say this too so like what i remember um i think i was watching them i'm competitive so when i when i was watching them verses it was like a long time ago and i was like you know what I'm about to get my 20 songs ready in case another studio want to challenge. <laughs> Let's go. Right, right. So here's here was the problem, Dave. So I saw, I got my little leather binder and I started writing down songs that I know we did. I'm like, we did Ether. Nas did his verse Ether there. That ain't Nas even did his Ether yeah. verse yeah. at Patchwork. Yeah, we did the Pig Pimp. Were you ever? Were you in the room? Were you in that I, room? He left his rhyme book, and I got it. And my and I kept it in the office, and I was reading it, and he was like writing. It looked like he was writing a movie. It was real vivid, like his rhyme, the intro, the sun goes down, whatever. So I'm like, I know what this is. I put it in my office. I keep it for years, and Mike threw it away. No. And then um, so like okay, so right, so I'm mad, you know. And um, last year, Karis One came up there, and he left his rhyme book. I said, what? And they called me. I said, put it in the office. I came up there the next day. I seen Rapture step into, this was last year. I seen old Ron. Oh my goodness. I say, I said, let me call him and tell him he left this. And he was yeah. like, I'm coming back up there today. And I gave it back to him. And, um, mm. but I've been wanting to keep that stuff, man. Nas's you know, rhyme book. He bro. left it when he wrote Ether. He when left he wrote it. Ether. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so then, so look, so I'm going through songs, right? I'm like, you know, okay. Jeezy stuff. But then, so then I said, that's too much. 25 years, I can't pick 20 songs. So then I said, well, let me go to, because cause here's the problem is that when you're doing these whole albums, okay, so I'm going to ask you, which Outkast song you going to pick? Which Goody Mob? Yeah. Which Jeezy? Which Tip? You're doing three, four albums. Yeah. Which Sierra? Which yeah. Monica? Which TLC? Which Waka? Which whoever, right? So I'm going, so I said, you know what? I'm going to knock this down. Let me get 20 artists. I started writing. So I, out of respect, I said, I'm going to start in Atlanta. But we done did records for yeah. Snoop, you know, all over the place, you know. So I started writing down artists. And I said, fuck it. I can't even do it. Because mm. I couldn't narrow it down to 20 artists. Because then I would have to go 20 artists. You couldn't artists. even narrow it down to 20 no, artists. because then I would go, like, if I'm looking at Sierra album, what am I going to take? Okay, everybody, the commercial is goodies. But I like that ooh record that Ludacris did. Yeah. And then, you know, whatever. I used to have a demo when Mi Missy did the vocals on Goodies. Mm. She was, I would hear her voice. She was rapping it. It was dope. And I said, I'm going to keep this forever. And my damn computer crashed. I never took it off the drive. But, but so that was my problem because then I started looking at like, okay, we did Tip's first three or four albums, mm. Jeezy's first three or four, five or six of Gucci's, all these different artists. Mm. So then I couldn't even, and I said, I, I, I'd always be, a lot of people call me when they do these documentaries or shows about Atlanta and they get left off. And they'd be like, man, they left me off. So I'm real conscious about that if I do something to make sure that I at least offer everybody to be a part of it. Yeah. So if I was to put out a top 20 songs at Patchwork and leave off the old oh, Let's Do It remix, that ain't cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So I just was like, so when we when they did the battle, we put out a... Uh, we did a playlist of Gucci. If you can, you can find it. It's called Show to Work on Spotify and Apple. It's 79 records that go back and forth. It start with Gucci, Jeezy, Gucci, Jeezy. And those all are some of the records. All of them. That ain't even all of them. We just we stopped at 79. 79 records that we worked on. So it's a playlist on Spotify and Apple Music. It's called Show to Work. It's underneath our patchwork thing. And it's 79 songs that they worked on at the studio. And so then that's why I was telling Oz, I said, well, maybe we're going to have to do 
years because even if we we can't do decades, we can't do five years because we literally now we still doing. We usually do it between 11 to 13 sessions a day right now. Mm. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. And so, you know, we, we start around 10 and finish around 6 every morning, 7 days a week. So if you try to do a year, 13 times 365, yeah. we, you know what I mean? It's hard. So that's why I keep saying I can't really. So I'm like, are we going to do R&B? Are we going to do gospel? Are we going to do hip-hop, Southern, Man. East Coast? Like, how are we going to make a playlist? So that 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 uh, Gucci Jeezy was our first time that we ever put something kind of out there because yeah. I didn't want to disrespect people. And I said, well, we got to figure it out. Yeah. Like, either you're going to start in 95 or what do you do? Do you pick the criteria? The album had to go platinum. Had to, we, I don't want to do that. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, it's big. We did, uh, you know, we was doing, um, that's just my baby daddy. Oh, we did that record. Yeah. We recorded and mixed it. We did uh, my boo. You know what I mean? We did Shorty Swing My Way. What? Like, them records. That's why I be telling. We did the one with Michael Bivens, When Will I See You Smile Again, when he was singing over mm -hmm. the bass. We did that most of that bass album, Rhythm and Quad. So that's why I be telling people, I be telling my wife, and I was like, you was reaching to me and didn't even know it. <laughs> it's these records that you don't know that we did. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And so way, you got to go way back to the booty shake. We was doing that stuff. Dang, that's crazy. Yo, Man, it's just so much history. I just want to like go to lunch with you and just keep talking to you, like just because there's so many, there's so many, so many stories that we didn't tell. Like you got, we, we struggling, man. We 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 working on our documentary for our 25th anniversary, and right now, the cut down. I mean, I I think our interview, we interviewed like 19 people and we talked to them for an hour, and so we had all this footage, and then we got it cut down to four hours, and it's so many holes in it. Like, I mean, it's just, it's too much. And so that's why I was like, you don't really know how to, I really don't know how to wrap, wrap around it. And so like, I was like, when you ask me to do it, cause normally I don't be going out doing, telling a whole bunch of stories. And I was like, really, you can't wait. 
if 25 years is hard, it's just going to get harder at 26, 29, sure. 30, sure. and more memories keep getting re- get, get created and you can't really go back. And so it's hard for us, like on our timeline, we try to celebrate projects. So we, like, I think we just, in one week, we put up Ludacris's album. It was 19 years old. Mm. And then a day or two later, I think we had a T.I. album up. And then a few days earlier, we had a Missy album. And then so every almost every day, it's like an anniversary. And we try to, Damn. and a lot of times, they don't even be posting it. Like, I'll put up the anniversary of this outcast or this, mm. and I'll tell Jason, it's your birthday. Right. And we'll, you know, whatever. So we're trying to do it, and um, but we create more memories. You know what I mean? We, we steadily create new stuff with some of these new people. And that's why I was telling Oz, I said, with the documentary, these old stories are cool, but we're not dead. And so you got to round it off and bring in the young Dolphs and the little yeah. babies and the, the other people that's come, the baby, the people that are new. Yeah. We have to tell that story because some of these people walk in the studio when we're doing tours of these high schools and they don't know who Outcast is. Yeah. It's like a museum. Damn. And then we get over to the Travis Scott. Oh, y'all did Travis Scott? <laughs> y'all did Kendrick Lamar? And we're like, we ain't dead. So it's, it's, a, it's a weird dynamic to pay respect. Like the other day, they, uh, YZ called me thinking of a master plan. Mm-hmm. And Wise Intelligent from Poor Righteous Teachers. You remember them? Yeah. Yeah, they called me. He's like, Kurt, we at the studio. And I'm looking, I'm in Aquarius. I said, Wise, in- Wise Intelligent is at the studio? Yeah. So I never met him. And mm. I'm looking at the traffic. On- I said, man, I can't come back. And I said, I said look, man, I'm going to give you a discount on the rate if you take a picture in the studio. Oh, if you don't take a picture, I'm blah, blah, blah. <laughs> he fed it, he sent me the thing or whatever. And so when KRS was there, mm-hmm. I went in and talked to him. Wow. And I just told him, I said, out of respect for you, you just going to pay for the engineer. The studio is free. Good. Mm. And then they wanted to come back the next day, and they was trying to get that deal. I said, hey, man, <laughs> I, I paid my one, respects man. to hip-hop. Well, I'm going to give you the best rate for that sure. we got for what you're trying to do. Yeah. And I understand that. But, like, so when those older people, I think a lot of times, sometimes they think, like, Cool Modi was here with KRS-One. Oh, wow. And, like, when uh, Havoc them from Mob Deep, they be thinking people don't know them. Yeah. I'm like, nigga, we know you. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So it's cool to work on those projects like that. And it's it's cool to see them people light up yeah. when people still recognize For them. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. To listen to or watch this full episode, be sure to check out the Social Proof Podcast on your favorite listening platform or on YouTube. Finally, you asked for it, and we created a Patreon, okay? We created an inner circle. We have amazing stories, amazing information, how-tos from the episodes. The only thing we're missing is a community. So it's about that time. We put together a Patreon. We put together a community because we have to have conversation around the information. So even this podcast we're listening to right now, there needs to be conversation. I want to hear what you got. I want to hear what you got. Like, let's throw some stuff back and forth. And because we're a like-minded, we're all going in the same direction. When we connect, connect in a community, we can connect on other stuff outside the community because we're building real relationships, okay? So check out the Patreon. We got three tiers. I don't care what tier you join. Um, the, support is, um, the support is appreciated. What if I told you for $1, I will introduce you to hundreds of entrepreneurs every single morning this week from all across the country. You'll be able to talk to hundreds of entrepreneurs and I'll coach you. I'll coach you for a dollar this whole week. And I'll introduce you to some of my successful friends for a dollar this week. Would you, 
Would you take part in that? Well, go to themorningmeetup.com because that's exactly what we're doing here, okay? The only organization that gathers entrepreneurs every single day for the betterment of entrepreneurship, okay? Every single day, Monday through Friday, we gather, we're growing, we're learning. We got a book club. Have you ever seen hundreds of entrepreneurs reading the same book? every single chapter, every single day, we're growing together, okay? You need the environment to grow in. TheMorningMeetup.com, a dollar. I'm gonna give you all this for a dollar. If you wanna stay, great. It's $79 a month after that. If not, no obligation. You can leave whenever you want, all right? TheMorningMeetup.com, I'll see you in the morning. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic, but today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.